Father, I thank you that you've already spoken to us and that you continue to speak to us. This morning, Lord, as we look at your word, I ask that you would um, challenge our hearts, arrest us, transform us. Lord, we submit ourselves to you and the truth of your word. We thank you for your word that breaks open ground and, um, and our thinking. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would do that in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last uh, two weeks, we've been looking at... Um, uh, Caleb, we've looked at, remember, I, I picked up that scripture in, uh, um, oh, not Joshua, Numbers. I've got Joshua, Numbers, and Judges all in my mind this morning. In, in, in Numbers, where it speaks about um, Caleb, when God speaks about him as being one who had a different spirit and followed God wholeheartedly. Remember, we looked at that, what it means to have a different spirit, what it means to follow God wholeheartedly, and, uh, um, and how he did that. And if you remember back, we started the year looking at the memorials of God's grace and God's faithfulness. Remember that? If you're here on New Year's Day, um, you would have heard that, where we looked at where the nation of Israel were about to cross, or they crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land. And as they were crossing, God told Joshua to tell 12 men from each of the tribe, one from each of the tribes, to go and take with them a rock from the middle of the dry ground in the middle of the Jordan to set up a memorial memorial on the other side so that when the generations that come have a look and say what is this they can say well that's the favor of God God's faithfulness God's grace remember how we looked at that yes now you know who was there on New Year's Day <coughs> some of us were here so um, it, it's, that, it's that sense of looking back remember I said we need to look back at the memorials of God's grace and, uh, and faithfulness so that it gives us courage or so that we can draw from there that thing, the thing of this is what God has done uh, and <clears throat> over the last two weeks we've looked at Caleb and how Caleb had his focus on Jesus, he, on, on God he lifted his focus and looked at God and saw God grow greater than the giants in the land, greater than the obstacles that faced them. And he kept his focus on God, and that stirred his faith. That there was looking back, and we looked at back at the faithfulness of God, and then there was a stirring of his faith when he looked up and saw God above all else. And the same is true for us. We to be those who look back and see the faithfulness of God and remember God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's provision, God's protection, all those things that God has done. <clears throat> and, then, and we look up and we see Him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is greater than everything else. <coughs> and we look up to Him and our faith is increased. We look up to God in faith and see Him who He is. For He is God and we are His children. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who love him. The same was true for our lives. If we don't build God's way, if we don't build our lives based on him and doing what he's called us to, and our family's lives around him, we do it all in vain. We, it's, it's, it's like the scripture says, unless he builds our lives, unless he builds our family, unless he builds the church, we labor in vain. We have to be focused on him. We have to have our lives laid down before him and look to God and follow him and do it his way. And so this morning, I want to carry on looking at Caleb, but in a slightly different uh, side of things. 
but us remembering that God is always in control. We have to release that, uh, our lives to Him and allow Him to work in us. And when we look back at the memorials of God's faithfulness, of the things that God has brought us, you remember I put up those photos and the things of everything that God, well, not everything, but highlights of what God had done through the life of this church. That was in order to, to partly because I know a lot of you weren't even aware of some of that stuff, and it's good to remind you or show you so that actually you can see some of the journey, but part of it's also to remind us of his faithfulness. But we don't live in the past. You see, if you constantly look back and only look at the good old days and you live in the good old days, which really, let's face it, when we were living in those times, they weren't that good. (laughs) It's only in hindsight we remember the good things. The nation of Israel is exactly the same. They were in slavery in Egypt. They came out of Egypt wandering around the desert. And what did they do? They hankered after the leeks and the garlics of Egypt. They kind of forgot because to them that was the good old days. But they forgot the pain and the fact that they were slaves. You see, if we live only in the good old days, they, uh, they, we live stuck in the past. We to look back at the faithfulness of God that, that strengthens us so that we look up in faith to Him. And not living there, but remembering that so that we look up in faith to God. So that when we remember His faithfulness, and his grace and his love, when we look up in faith to him, we can then look forward with courage. Because we have got things that God's called us to do, and we need courage to do those things. But that courage isn't based in our own strength, but it's based in God. And you see, we need these three things. We need to look back his faithfulness, look up to him in faith, and to look forward in courage. If we only live in the past, we get stuck. If we try and go forward into the future without focusing on Him and our faith in Him, we try and do it in our own strength and make a mess. The central pivotal thing is always God. That we look to Him in faith, that He builds our faith, that we have courage to go into what lies ahead. (coughs) You see, when we do that, then what we face tomorrow... We can face, not in our own strength, but in our faith in God and the courage he gives based on who we know him to be. We are his children and he is God and stays as God forever. But we need all three. And if we don't, we build in vain. If we don't, we're doing it our way, not his way. And so I want to look at Joshua chapter 14. If you have your Bible, if you could turn to Joshua chapter 14 in whatever way you read your Bible, whether it be on tablets or other things, as in technical tablets, not little pills, that would be a problem. Joshua chapter 14, it says this from verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of yeah, the Kerizite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and about me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent a report, um, uh, when the, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. My brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. 
I, however, um, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Remember, we've been looking at that. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the, lo- the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said, he said this to Moses while Israel moved around the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Remember we looked at that? I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm still as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. You yourself heard um, then that the Anakites were, were there and the cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb and his son, uh, uh, sorry, belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kareth Araba, uh, I think that's how you say it, um, who was the greatest man of the Anakites, and the, the land had rest from war. So there we have it. Remember, we looked in, in numbers of, the sim- of that account. Verse 6 says that you know what the Lord said. Remembering the word of God, the faithfulness of God. You know what the Lord said. Then he says, now give me this land and we'll go and take it. But with the Lord's help, we will take it. Not his own strength, but with the Lord's help, we will take it. And so then Hebron belonged to him because he followed God wholeheartedly and did what God called him to do. Joshua chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord says to Joshua, where they've already taken some of their inheritance, he says to Joshua, there's still, you are very old, and there's still very large areas of land to be taken. Then we see here in Joshua chapter 14, now give me the hill country. Caleb saying to him, give me what God has promised. Looking at, I remember what God has said. God is faithful. My faith is still as strong as it was then. My passion, my vigor to go is still as strong as it was then. Now give me what God has promised. And with God's help, we will take this land. We have the parallel of, we know that the parallel in the New Testament, or for us, is that the church is a parallel to the nation of Israel. And so our question this morning is this, what land in your life do you still need to take? What ground is there that God still has for you to take? What is your hill country? Regardless of what the giants look like, what is the ground God is calling you to take? What is the ground that God is calling us to take? And how do we move into that? See, when we look in Scripture here, Hebron, it says that that's the place where the Anakites lived. The Anakites were the very people who were like a a, a giant-type nation. They were massive, fierce, warrior-like people. They were the very ones that when the spies went in, the ten others were so fearful of them that they turned the whole of the nation of Israel against God. I said, well, did they turn them against God? Yes, because God had said, go and take it. And in their fear, they rebelled against God and didn't. And so they wandered around the desert for 40 years.
when we see in Scripture, there's a pattern. If you do, as a side, if you go and look at the, what the promised land means and the patterns of cycles of the promised land, you can start the pattern way back at the beginning in Genesis. The Garden of Eden, where the promised land was there, where it was in ha- where they communed with God. There was a place of intimacy with God. There was a place of his fruitfulness and his blessing. And, and, and then they rebelled and were exiled. They were sent from the garden. Then they, he makes them a nation. They were given the, nation, the, the land. And there's a cycle again. They rebel against God and they go into exile. Then again, it happens again. And then Jesus comes and makes the way. And there's a cycle that we can look at through all of that. But the key is this, that we need to do it God's way, not our way. And we need to be those who focus on him and his faithfulness. You see, out of the 12 that came, the majority spoke against those things. See, often we think if the majority say so, it's right. The majority voice isn't always the voice of faith. Certainly in this instant, the majority voice was not a voice of faith. It was a voice of fear that brought doubt into everybody. And so actually they didn't walk into the promised land. So for you and I, where is the promised land? Where is the place where we dwell with God and flourish in fruitfulness and intimacy with Him? And we live in that place. And we can live in that place with Him because of Jesus, even though we live in this world like exiles and aliens. Well, because it says in the Word that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And yet through Jesus, we have access to the Father because of the blood of Jesus to come into His presence to live in, with fruitful lives. When, remember when you look at Scripture in, in John chapter 15, where, where we abide in the vine and we are fruitful. What's that all about? It's about being and dwelling in His presence. You see, even now when we live in this world that is so anti-God and so hostile and we feel like we're exiles or aliens, we can still live in the promised land of God in the midst of all of that. When we live abiding in Him with God at our focus, our focus on Him, intimacy with Him, living wholeheartedly following after God. And we see it time and time again through Scripture where men and women followed God wholeheartedly regardless of what was going on and they could live in that place of fruitfulness and intimacy with God. And that's the promise for us. And you and I face things in our lives that look like the, the, um, the giants that they faced. That tries the enemy trying to stop us live in that place with God. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. Jesus was very clear that life is not going to be easy. They're going to persecute you because of him and all those things. Yet in the midst of all of that, we stand strong and secure and peaceful and full of faith when we build our lives on Him, when we remember His faithfulness, we look up in faith and we look forward in courage because of who God is and who we are as His children. And God has already given us ground that we, need to, we have taken and we need to take. And that ground, part of that ground is salvation. As part of it is preaching the gospel. Part of it is advancing his kingdom. Part of it is going to nations. Part of it is speaking to your neighbors. All of that is part of taking the ground God has given us. We know that God works through the church and we are the church. And that God is the one who determines exact time and place where we live. So we know theologically, doctrinally, whatever you want to say, that we are here by God's plan and God's purpose for his kingdom to work through us to reach those who are lost. And, those, and so actually in, in, in one way, Crawley and the UK is part of our promised land. 
It's our inheritance that God has given us. And just as he spoke to them, that every place you will walk, I will give to you. It's not a kind of hyper-faith, every place I'm going to, and, and regardless of anything. And it's also not a, just a waltzing in and therefore it's mine. These guys had to fight for the, the promises of God. They had to stand and fight that actually, that's why Caleb says, give me the hill country and with God's help I will do it. Remember last week, I think it was last week, when I said, before now, when God moved the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he did everything. Remember I said that? He did everything. He opened the Red Sea. He destroyed the Egyptians in the Red Sea. He did all the, the, uh, the plagues and everything else. But now to walk into the, take the promised land, they had to walk with God. And actually it required them cooperating with God and them fighting for it and actually doing something. It was no longer, God, you just do it and I'll wall sin. It's God saying, I've given you this land. Now go and take possession of it, which requires us to work with him. And fight for what God has given us. Because it's part of his promises. And that's why we need to have our focus on him to build our faith so that we can look with courage. And when we lack courage, then we remember his faithfulness in the past, which then spurs us again to fix our gaze on him. Jesus, you've done. We sang the song this morning. You did it then, you will do it now. You were a healer then, you're a healer now. You delivered then, you'll deliver now. You're a savior then, you're a savior. It's, that is the truth. And can I encourage you? I know my kids were showing me this thing. What was it? TikTok or something. With some chap that I do know. I do know what TikTok is, but I can't remember if it was that or YouTube. Where this guy was saying all these different things about all sorts of things. Where, and he's a Christian. And he's a worship leader. And he's actually led worship here before. You, some of you remember who he is, but I won't say. But he was doing this funny little thing of all these different things. He was talking about how, what's with this when we sing songs where it tells you to lift your hands. And um, am I lifting my hands because the lyrics are saying, or am I lifting my hands? And you kind of get the gist. But for me, it's like, actually, if the lyrics of the song there speak about the faithfulness of God, do I sing it because I believe it, or do I sing it so that I believe it, or do I sing it just because it's a lyric? It should be, I believe it, and if I am, God help me in my unbelief, and I'll sing it till I believe it. And it's the same thing if you've been singing, God, you were faithful then, you are faithful now, and you think, well, actually, I can't see that, then just carry on singing it in faith, because it's truth. When it says, lift your hands, if you don't feel like it, who cares, you lift your hands to God, because He is God and worthy. I'm being sidetracked. But anyway, what the point is this, is that when it is God who says, we the ones who follow and we do, because God is called. And he says, he fo- it says of Caleb that he followed God wholeheartedly. And there was this, wholeheartedly was this thing of actually everything inside of him and everything outside of him, so everything that he believes and everything that he lives matched up. Because it was based on who God is. And he had things to do. He had ground to take. And even then at that stage, 85, I'm still as vigorous. I've still got as much strength as I did the first time. That's what God calls us to. Looking back with thanks. Looking up to God in faith and looking forward with courage. And we just look at some of the implications of actually what this means. Because we look at it from this side and we read that they did that, they did that, then... There's this big gap and suddenly Caleb's ready to go and they go and take the place. Just remember this. Caleb wasn't the leader of the nation of Israel. Joshua was. 
He was one of the leaders and certainly someone who is influential. Yet he followed God wholeheartedly and held on to the promise. He said, remember what God said to, to Moses 40 years ago. He doesn't go up to Joshua and just say, give me the land. He says, remember what God said. When God said that, now give it to me. See, both Joshua and Caleb, for me, must have understood this truth. That their inheritance that God had for them and the best that God had for them was intertwined and intrinsically linked spiritually and physically to them being part of the spiritual community, the nation of Israel. And we've got the parallel for us. What God has for you, what's best for you spiritually, is being part of or is intrinsically connected with and intertwined in being part of a spiritual community of faith, the church. Caleb could have had this opinion. Come back, the ten of you and the whole of the nation don't want to go in, so I'm out of here, I'm going to take what God's given us. Or he could have said, Forget you lot, you faithless, you moaning, grumbling bunch of whatevers. I'm going to go and join another, another group of people. What set the nation of Israel apart from everybody else? God. Their connection with God. And it's incredibly important that we actually understand what it means and what it looks like for here, for Caleb and Joshua. And how it has implications for us. You see, too often, I think, believers have this kind of opinion in connection with the church. And no church is perfect. This church is not perfect. Every church has got faults. Just like that nation had faults. They were a dysfunctional, grumbling, complaining nation. And every time something they kind of turn to God, then they grumble and complain. Well, it's, we haven't got meat. Then we've got too much meat. Then we haven't got this. And we want. Often, believers see the same in church. So actually, the church isn't moving in faith like I am. Those around me seem to have the same view of like the Israelites did the other ten and their faith dropped and they were scared and so they started wondering and so what we do is they, well I'm leaving. Or they're complaining and grumbling and so they move. You see, Joshua and Caleb, they heard God as much as the others did. They went into the promised land. They saw the promised land. And the others did too, and they all said it was good. The ten came back and said, we can't do it, the giants are too big. The two of them said, yes, we can. And even when the nation said, no, they, they were, were distraught. They, it says that they tore their clothes and cried out and pleaded for them not to. And then the whole nation 
wandered around the desert for 40 years. But because Joshua and Caleb understood that their inheritance and the best for them before God was entwined with the community of faith that God had put them in, they wandered the same desert with all those grumbling, moaning dysfunctionals because of their problem, not theirs. Yet at the same time, it is still said after those 40 years that they followed God wholeheartedly. That means all those 40 years of wandering around the desert because everybody else in the church are doing it their own way, haven't got the faith that you've got, haven't got the insight that you've got. They're wandering around. It seems like it's not as big, not as too big, not too small. Too they still were part of that community wholeheartedly following God with faith because their faith and their identity was in God and who God had connected them with, not because of man and man's failings. And how desperately sad is it when the believers pull away from church because the attitude of their heart is, well, it's not big enough. It's too big. It's not like I like it. It's not this, it's not that. It's too much this, too much that. My faith is this and you saying that. And so, you see, God's best for you and I is in the context of church community. Our inheritance, our, uh, spiritually what is best for you is in the context of church community. And our challenge is, remember the faithfulness of God, look, look with faith to Jesus, and then with courage you can carry on. Regardless of what giants you face, or what the community is, or where it seems to be going, because if God has got you there, if God has put you there, that is what is best for you, that is what is best for the church. And so either they could have hijacked that and just done their own thing. It's like, we have the same choice. Either we wholeheartedly full of faith and passion, follow God together. Or we hijack that. A friend of mine put it this way once when someone was asking him, well, what about when you don't understand what God's doing? And, and I think the, the young pilots at the back can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding, he used this analogy from flying and the difference between a pilot and the air traffic control. So if I get this wrong, please forgive me. Maybe you're not flying yet, so you don't know, but... As far as I can understand, a pilot who pilots a plane full of people, their main concern or only concern is to get that plane safely in the air to the destination and landed. Now, what happens if you've got a whole plane full of people and you see there's this, uh, so so their focus is on the plane and they're aware of some of the planes, but their focus is on doing that. And that's a huge responsibility because of how many hundreds of people are there. But there is this other group of people called air traffic control. And air traffic control see all the planes. Not just the one, but all the planes. And their view is that all of those planes need to take off and land safely. So I don't know if you've ever been in an aeroplane. I mean, I've, I was once flown, as, uh, maybe I shouldn't get distracted, and I was. Once I was flown down as, my, um, as, as a designer to, in a small aeroplane, so I sat, so you could see out the front, which is a little bit scary on some things. So 
And thankfully there was air traffic control. But I just remember this. I was told that we would be coming into land near a cliff. And so my thinking was, well, if that's the cliff, we'll come into land that way. That's logic. <laughs> Didn't work. We came in this way. In a tiny little plane that was like you saw cliff and then air, then cliff. And my thing was, God, just let us hit it on and up. <laughs> I don't mind coming down, but please. And they followed air traffic control. But in that one, coming back was safer. Well, it was, seemed safer when you take off over a cliff. But when you land, we flew past the airport. I'm thinking, why on earth are we flying past the airport? And the point is this. Because air traffic control said so. Because it wasn't safe for us just to fly in and land. Because there were other things going on. And if I was the pilot just thinking, well, I want to land this plane, I'm going to cause an accident with devastating responses. They, the pilots have to trust air traffic control who see the bigger picture so that they're told to land when they should, what runway, where they're to stop, everything else. Roughly right? Roughly right. How often do we think not like that. We think like a pilot who's in his little airplane wants to land his plane when he wants it. And God's saying, no, carry on flying. And we think, but what about? And God says, carry on flying. And then he eventually says, now you can bank and turn around. Now it's safe to come back. And so often we can live our lives and there's stuff going on that we don't quite understand. We think, but we need to do this. Why aren't we doing that? We need to do this. Why isn't the church? We need to do this. And instead of understanding that actually God is like air traffic control. And our lives are not just about us. It's about the king and the kingdom and everybody else. All of them. All of us. All of those who are yet to come to know him. And we can get grumpy and disgruntled and complaining when we seem to be flying past the runway. Because God hasn't said land. He said carry on going. Carry on going. And we have to trust and trust and trust. And he says Now's the time. Caleb and Joshua walking around the desert for 40 years. I don't know how many of us could still be here 40 years' time thinking, God, you, you're about to break through. God, you've said these things. And follow him wholeheartedly, passionately, with as much vigor and expectation and faith as the moment we set out. Because we have a a small view rather than trusting God. Caleb and Joshua knew the promises of God. They also knew that the consequences of, of everybody else's lack of faith meant that they were walking around the desert for 40 years. They didn't leave the community and think, well, I'm going to do it my own strength. They didn't complain and lose heart. They had as much passion, as much faith, as much expectation as the day they set out because it wasn't based on the situation they faced. It was based on God and his word. That's why it's important that when we feel like we don't understand, we need to look back and think, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And it reminds us to look back to him. And then when we look back to him, he gives us courage to take on what we have to face tomorrow. But we don't do it alone. We do it together as the community of believers because that's what's best for us. Because that's God's way. And if we try and do it ourselves, we are just going to fail every single time because it's not what God has created us to be. It's not how God's created us to do. It's God's plan and we follow in his way. 
my life and your life is best lived out in the community of faith in God that he puts us in, which is here, which means we encourage one another, strengthen one another. Don't join the grumbling and complaining, but push in with what God has given us to. That scripture, it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I grew up in a household that is, I was incredibly fortunate. My sister's here, so she can say. But my parents got saved when I was fairly young, before Yvonne was born. And we just grew up in a house of faith that this is what it means to be a believer. When you get saved, you're part of a church community. That means when the church community gathers, you go to the, you go to the gathering of the church every Sunday. Every, where we grew up, every Sunday was church. So every Sunday we went to church. There was no question. There was no op- other option. It didn't even cross our minds. That's what it meant to be a believer. I've kind of understood that's how we brought our children up. Wherever you are, Sunday, you go to church. Why? Because we're part of the family of God. doesn't matter if it's New Year's Day or whatever. It's, that's what we do. I kind of, as I've got older, realized that that's still my conviction. That's what we do as a believer. But I also kind of think, well, that's what we do as a Crawford. Because n- not everybody does that. And it's not a judgment. It's a thing of if you follow God wholeheartedly... And God's best is for us in the community of the believers. Why would we not give ourselves to that? Why would that not be just something that that's what it means to be a follower of Christ? I've been, like I said, I've been listening to, I listen to the, uh, the Bible online, well, on CDs in the car whenever I'm driving on my own. And we're going, I'm still, I'm now through Leviticus, so we're kind of doing all of those things. But... All those things of the, the laws and the sacrifices and the patterns, and that's just what they did. Why? Because that's God's way. They were part of the nation of Israel. This is how God had created for them to live. So that's how they lived. When did they get into trouble? Every time they deviated from how God called them to live. What's different for us? Just because we have Jesus in the new covenant, surely that should be even more of a passion of our hearts rather than just a pattern of behavior. And that passion of our hearts can so easily and correctly create a pattern of behavior. But too often in our modern thinking, we throw out the pattern of behavior because we think that's legalistic. But we never allow the Holy Spirit to break in in our hearts. So it becomes a passion of our heart that creates a pattern of behavior. I believe that's the only way Caleb was as passionate and as zealous for God to take the, the, the land that God had promised him, which was filled with the most fearsome giants, 45 years on, because he followed God wholeheartedly. That's what God said. And actually, when you read that, and you read the end of that, it says, that they, so, so Hebron belonged to Caleb, and the land had rest from war. 
Do you know what that shows? Not only did Caleb wander around the desert wholeheartedly with all the grumblers, complainers, and dysfunctionals, but he also fought for them to walk in their inheritance before him. His was the last ground that was taken because it said then there was rest from war. He didn't come in thinking, well, actually, you know what? Out of all of these peoples, Joshua and I were the only ones that went in, and we were, so give us ours first. And now you can go and fight for it all. How often is that sometimes our attitude? Here we have a man who is passionate for God, his faith and belief that his inheritance and the ground that they had to take was connected with everybody. Wasn't and he had to go and wander around with all these people who caught, and it wasn't his fault. It was theirs. Yet he fought for their inheritance before he went and claimed his. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that challenging? So my question to end, and I need to end now because I've been going for too long. is remember to look back with thanks the faithfulness of God so that you remember to look up to Jesus, the one who's done it all and continues to, so that we live in faith and have courage for tomorrow because there is still ground that God has for you to take in your life personally and as part of this church community together. But my question is this. What's the attitude of your heart to God and to his community that he's put you in? Is it God wholeheartedly, I'm going to follow you with faith? And no matter how long it takes, I'm going to listen to your command. Not my impulse, not my passion, not my frustration. I'm going to listen to your command so that I walk into my inheritance when you say so. There's so much more for us. There's so much more for you. And these giants require us to work with God to take them out so that we can walk into the inheritance. By giants, I don't mean the people. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They're spiritual. And the enemy tries to come against to bring doubt and fear and dishearten and try and get us to leave and go and do our own thing or go and be isolated when God's fullness and best is always in community, in faith. Focus on him. Courage for tomorrow because he's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His faithfulness endures forever. Like his love. Where's your gaze? Where's your focus? What is it that God has said for you to take? What ground still needs to be taken? And just like Joshua... I mean, like, like in Joshua 14, Caleb, with God, I will drive them out. With God, we will drive them out. I'm going to pray, then we're going to end, and there's 10 coffee through there or at the back. But if this morning you need someone to stand with you, I think Vernie used the, the terms during worship, if you've got scales that need to be removed, if there are attitudes of the heart that need to be repented of, 
and changed, if there are patterns of behavior that need to be adjusted, it's never too late. Go to God today. Get someone to pray with you. There'll be folks around that will be happy to pray with you so that together we move into what God has for us. But if this morning you think, well, I don't see all of that, but God, what is the ground? Ask Him to show you. And He will. But then let's go and get it together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You that You are unchanging. That Your love for us endures. Your faithfulness endures. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the great I am, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we might only see the small part that we're part of or what's in front of us, but God, we trust you who sees everything. Father, this morning I pray for those whose hearts have been convicted of things that need to change, either attitudes or points of view or hesitant in holding back or patterns of behavior or allowing fear to come and rob from what you've called them to. Lord, I pray that by your grace and your mercy, through your spirit, you administer to them today and bring freedom, bring faith, bring fullness of life. Lord, where we've put in place excuses that are pitiful and patterns of behavior that are unhelpful and attitudes of the heart that conflict rather than work together. Lord, this morning we repent and we ask that by your Spirit you'd help us to choose you, Jesus. Remind us of your faithfulness when we forget so that our gaze is fixed on you, God, that we can walk with courage into all that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one of us individually for our lives, but also corporately, what the ground is that still needs to be taken. So, Lord, that we would make the most of every opportunity with faith and courage to extend your kingdom, to preach the gospel, to walk into the inheritance that you have for us because that's the fruitfulness and favor of God where we long to live. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made it possible. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you journey with us, that it's not in our own strength or our own courage or anything about us, but it's everything grounded and set in you, Jesus. We thank you that you've done it before. You'll do it again. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you need to do in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.